and welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. on the Internet's best radio station, BFF.FM, or subscribe to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast, all one word, dot com. This week we're talking about the sophomore album from Snail Mail called Valentine, which starts with the title track. Let's go be alone Where no one can see us, honey Careful in that room Those parasitic cameras, don't they stop to stare at you? solo project of Lindsay Jordan, who we had the good fortune to see in 2018 at South by Southwest right before her first album came out and she was already getting a ton of buzz and she was only 18 and she started at a really young age getting a lot of attention. The first album was critically acclaimed. She did a lot of touring and she kind of got into the indie rock machinery and so then she needed to take a step back and focus on writing this album and now it's three years later she's 22 and this is such a change in her style and her level of focus and mastery of her craft yeah in addition to the critical acclaim i think we spent some time talking about how great that album was and our general bias is not towards discussing someone again but from the very time i think that when we heard this lead single the title track and it is so strong that chorus is a barn burner, which I am mm-hmm. <laughs> not overusing that here because it is absolutely correct. And she does such a great slow burn here of starting with completely liquid synths, this tiny bit of guitar coming in, but even that has this kind of effect on it. So it's very watery and you just get this feeling of softness in these verses. And then the chorus is fire. <laughs> Yeah, it also sets the tone. You set your expectations that this is an album about written by someone who went through a really difficult breakup. And a lot of this record is about that experience and the heartbreak and passion of loving someone and losing them. Yeah, and I am in love with the structure of this song where it is all about this build of anticipation for that chorus. And... 
this sense of, oh, we don't want her to wallow. We want her to be angry at her ex. And you get that. And then you get this, a couple of verses, this chorus, another verse, and then more chorus. And it's even stronger, more powerful. And then there's this bridge and you expect, okay, that's going to kind of trail off. And then we get another chorus to kind of lift us on our feet. And then it just ends. No, there is no last chorus. What we think is a bridge is actually this outro. And it's, it doesn't end in anger. It ends in wistfulness. And, you know, I, I think it's, you know, I think over, you know, emotional maturity maybe is something that's overused, but someone is like, yeah, being angry is not how I want to end here. And I can be glad that I was in this relationship and feel fondly about it, even as it's over, it's done. And let's move on. And let's move on to the second track, which is delightfully called Ben Franklin. Yet another of get, we just have to be ready for the fact that there are going to be a lot of breakup songs on this album, but each explores that phenomenon from a different angle. So we had the anger and here it's like, I'm trying to be strong and you get the sense of maybe not successfully, but trying. And then that's accompanied by this sonic palette. That's so different where we're going in this extremely electronic direction. And it is not what I was going to expect from snail mail that I would hear this bridge where it's this broken apart melody where her voice is creaking and jumping around the scale. And it's like this art pop, almost Bjork sound that blew me away as like, wow, she can do that too. With a really disorienting kind of sludgy synths underneath. And then as you pointed out, that piano that comes in at the end where we faded out, there's just a lot of sonic texture here and it gives it so much richness and it sets such a mood. This album was produced by Brad Cook, who's worked with 
Lindsay Jordan's friend Katie Crutchfield of Waxahachie, Indigo D'Souza, who we talked about a couple podcasts back, and he seems to have really introduced or helped her come up with some really different ideas that are a real departure from her first album. You know, in interviews, she's very gracious about talking how he's someone who didn't take charge, but more just said, hey, maybe you can push this further and was exactly the kind of collaborator you want to bring out the best in you. And the results here are phenomenal. Uh, and really just, I feel like this is the time to say that this is a breakup album. It's also a rehab album, which she mentions in this song, and it's obliquely referenced at other points. And finally, it's a pandemic album where I think she wrote, started to write it in rehab where she didn't really have access to her instruments and then finished writing it where she was basically, well, it's the pandemic, so I guess I'm going to go back live with my parents. Mm-hmm. A very common phenomenon for a lot of people, especially in the early 20s. Well, and of course, she was living with her parents in Baltimore when she wrote her first album because she was a teenager. <laughs> and so she was saying there was some familiarity with, there with sitting on her childhood bedroom with her guitar and just writing these songs. Yeah, and yeah, the, the level of depth, the darkness here is... It's just the opposite of sophomore slump. And just as her first album blew us away, it's like, I can't believe this is an 18 year old. Mm -hmm. And I guess she was 21 when recording this. And like, I can't believe this is a 21 year old. It's really remarkable. So the if I have any criticism of this record, it's that it's very front loaded with what I think are the best tracks. And so it's a real one, two, three punch. And the third song in that sequence is Headlock, which we'll play next. like this song has such a 90s feel something about that guitar tone and the way that the the verses and the chorus kind of hang together it just feels like this could have been a song from 1997 and I'm not complaining but I love that she has such a huge range on this record everything feels pretty timeless here and I don't I can't place it in a particular time I just love the this sort of in this trilogy of breakups it's anger it's just persistence and here it's just this incredible longing of like i i, I miss you so much and and i want you to miss me as much as i miss you and, and you know that her ex doesn't yeah <laughs> really sad. well and i really like that and we played the end of that song and this you know it ends with this vision of an alternate timeline where they're together that is never going to happen yeah, the sadness, the sorrow, the power, the beauty, it's amazing. And I think um, 
yeah, this, this power here. And again, the use of the, these piano sequences, these just little touches really anchor things so nicely. And it's really, we get such a vulnerable vocal style here as well. You really, she's opening herself up wide to the audience. Yeah, her voice is so expressive. And I think in one of the interviews I read, the interviewer had asked her if she took voice lessons in between her first and second albums and she said she actually had started taking voice lessons after this album was recorded but she also just kind of recognized that her she could sing in a different way that was more uh, it used her instrument more versus she said on her first album she just kind of belted it out because that was how it was natural for her to sing and she wasn't really thinking about thinking about it and she's like everything on this album, she's put a lot more thought into how she's expressing herself on it. Yeah. And so, yeah, from so from this fantastic trilogy of breakups, we do a little time warp back to when she was just 19, all of, what, two years ago, and when she was still in love and still with someone and just a lovely little song she wrote to the woman she loved. It's called Light Blue. First time I met you, I knew Words there be such a testament to recontextualization that this song that was so you know innocent and pure and it still has that purity but now it's brought forward into the future and the instrumentation has expanded from just that sweet acoustic guitar to now this very rich string section it's so beautiful and the end of the song is this repeated refrain of like I'm not going back and you can imagine oh when you're with someone you're like oh I'm with you and I'm never it's never changing but then you realize well even after the breakup well you're not going back to the person you were before you were with that person it's a forever experience and the finger picking style on the acoustic guitar is such a great contrast with the synths and Ben Franklin again it's just such a huge range on this album and you can really tell it really highlights her guitar skills like I feel like a lot of these songs the power is in her vocals and her songwriting and her lyrics but this just really shows what a talented guitar player she is yeah she's a remarkable talent there's a reason why there was the bidding war at 18 and a reason why this is the opposite of sophomore slump and I think it's fantastic too though that I'm going to go from I think this record, I mean, this, what, this first four tracks, and I talked about how I felt like they were so timeless that she can say, you know what, I'm going to do a 70s throwback and pull it off, and that's this next track. It's called Forever Sailing. I might have made a stranger out of you And I'm strange 
cover so much, but the the chorus is taken from a 70s Swedish pop stars song. It's kind of like a disco song called You and I by Madeleine Kane. And I think that that's what's coming in under the chorus is like a super distorted sample from that actual chorus, from this chorus of that song. Yeah, I think I, I heard it described as, oh, it kind of sounds like an air conditioner. Like it's a very <laughs> ambient sound, which is an mm-hmm. interesting choice, but it does, there's such a spookiness to this. And even as the, I think the melody and the arrangement is so 70s, then it's with a much more modern production. When I heard that guitar sound, it so brought me back to JSOM, like mm-hmm. does such a similar guitar effect. Mm-hmm. Obviously though, to play very different style of music and like it really works here for this 70s and and I think appropriately like when I listen to them like oh it's kind of a yacht rock vibe and I'm like yep well say it's well, sailing and off the reference to sailing yeah. yeah exactly and it is so musically fantastic there's such a great kind of escalation from this verse and then kind of a really long pre-chorus into that you and I chorus and it is just a journey <laughs> And it's, yeah, I, I love this song more than I expected to. It's it's one of those songs, like a lot of the songs on this record, where if you just played it for me out of nowhere, I don't think I would be able to place like where in time it's from. And I like that about these songs. They don't sound derivative, but they do sound like they're influenced by a lot of different styles. Yeah. I, what really impressed me here is how varied... I mean, instrumentally, it's so cool, this sort of like modern production with an ultra 70s style Mm -hmm. and her vocals all over the map where she's able to do this kind of very breathy, almost whisper singing, gets really emotional where her voice starts to break. And then when she unleashes like a really strong vibrato at points where it's like, oh, this her voice has a lot of heft to it. Mm -hmm. It's really a star turn. And going from here to one of the really high energy Uh, fun tracks I think it's a fun track Uh, it's called Madonna on this track it's very fake like it, it does sound very much like a drum machine it has a lot of just intricacy to it and I think that is a wonderful counterpoint to some of the singing here that almost becomes like a church chorus appropriately enough for the subject <laughs> matter and underlaying all of it is just this feeling of unhealthy attachment and I think forever and this song are a nice pair where it's both about just feeling too strongly about someone and the relationship is maybe not that good 
but she's super into it and maybe it's it's a tough place to be yeah the rhythms take so many left turns as you mentioned in this song there it's you're nodding along to it and then it switches it up and it almost sounds like two different songs in 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 one part where it transitions where we fade it out and i like that it kept me guessing like i didn't know where the song was going to go well, yeah, I think after I introed it, it's, it's really high energy. And of course, you looked at me quizzically because, <laughs> well, it, those first 30 seconds are pretty mellow. Yeah, and, and when you it said ran, it, yeah, yeah, you said there are definitely high energy parts, I take it. Yeah, I, and to me, that's what I remember is that the when the when it leaps in, you almost notice how high energy it is because it's lulled you into that false sense of security. And I love that, yeah, the, the percussion kicks up and her singing is so energetic. And then there are these crazy little kind of synth doodles in the background. It's just a wonderful sound. Yeah, that's an example of a, a number of different bits of instrumentation on this album where I wasn't sure what it was exactly. And I assume it's some sort of synth. Yeah, I, I don't claim to know. And the credits pretty much are, Cello, unless unless violin. you're a string section, Yeah, <laughs> there's not a lot of detail. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, yeah, there's a lot of viola, violin, and then cello. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, it's not on every track, but and definitely not on this one, but it is part of this wonderful saga musically that we're going on. And it's, I think, remarkable that, yes, yeah, so many of these songs are about dysfunctional relationships ended relationships and i don't feel bummed out like it is a really i i get a positive feeling from this record and that's a testament to her as an artist she does a great job of both really emoting heavily and helping you feel the intensity of her feelings while also not taking herself too seriously it's not wallowing it's kind of like i'm feeling all this pain and i'm also recognizing that this is just part of relationships and what everyone goes through yeah and and with that wisdom i think we're kind of approaching into the end of the album and i think we pivot from this sort of agonized relationship with the these breakups and the ex and trying to get to some kind of transcendence and trying to find some peace without you know with some mixed success and so the next track we'll play is the penultimate one it's called automate I couldn't keep 
That part we played isn't necessarily indicative of the whole song. We just kind of get half of the chorus there, but it's the end. And I wanted to play it because I read in an interview that she said this was this section was one of her favorite things that she had ever written. Yeah, it's so it, it's emotional. It is very unsettling and yeah this entire notion of automating oneself it's just like oh she's trying to anesthetize herself to just get past this breakup and uh, And, and i really feel for her yeah the key changes are very surprising and the song doesn't end the way that i would expect it to yeah i think it starts off as like a fairly conventional where you've got these you know i think a pattern that she's established of the quiet verses these loud driving choruses and then it goes into this like I, I like eh, one or two or three different bridges and then the outro yeah being that let's shift into this completely different key throwing everyone for a loop with just automate me and uh, that's a weird message and I, I yeah I'm completely undone I feel like this album was sequenced really effectively it starts out with you know this these grand breakup songs and you know, Ben Franklin, the chorus is something like, you know, I'll be here when you change your mind. Not if you change your mind, but when you change your mind. And it kind of goes through all of the emotions of the breakup process. And this is sort of like a post breakup, sort of moving on, but having trouble. And then the last song, Mia, is very much looking back and being like this, that relationship is definitely over. And I'm looking back and having thoughts about it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's tough because we I can't talk about every song and this is such a strong album that usually it's very easy to pick one to drop and I am bummed out like oh I would love to talk about these other ones too and so uh and at the same time it's not long it's only 10 tracks and it's just over 30 minutes but there's just so much there well yeah that exactly like some you know some songwriters like oh you listen to you know drop in and hear 30 seconds of the song and you get it and I feel like here they never feel overwrought but they also are really dense. I think lyrically, a lot of the songs, she doesn't really repeat herself. The chorus is different each time. And, uh, you know, I've been refraining from rattling off favorite lyrics from these different songs, but I think she, her strength as a songwriter, both lyrically and musically, is very impressive and only getting stronger. Yeah, she talks about how she a lot of these songs are on the shorter side, but she felt strongly that she, when it was done, she wanted it to be done and she didn't want to just kind of add filler to make it a certain length or to have some effect. And so I think that really shines through like every bit of each of these songs is meaningful. Yeah. I want, you know, I think the main thing here is we saw her live, cute, young album was great. Now she got stronger, she got wiser, and this album, also great, no sophomore slump, vocal lessons, holy crap, like the anticipation for the tour is off the charts. Well, and what she's going to do next. She's only 22. Well, yeah, there's, uh, and, and, you know, hopefully she went through the, the perils of stardom, went to rehab, has older friends like Katie Crutchfield to maybe like... Give, give her, her good, adv- yeah. Give her good advice and how to be, how to survive in this in this world as a woman in the music industry. And yeah, we can't wait. So we'll go out with that last track called Mia. And again, we've been discussing the second album by Snail Mail called Valentine. And you've been listening to For the Record. Thanks so much for listening. Isn't it strange the way it's just over? 
is a proud member of the BFF.fm podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.fm, best frequencies forever.